Thank you, Carol, for that very kind introduction. It is always a, uh, a privilege and a massive honour to be able to bring God's word. So um, as we start this morning, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God of all truth. Father, I thank you that when you sent your son Jesus to earth, you sent him so that we could know truth, so that we could have truth, so that we could have life, Father. This morning, as we dive into your word, I just pray that truth would be revealed to our hearts, Lord, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, and that we would be able to receive a heavenly blessing from you as we contemplate on your life and your sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Amen. Awesome. This morning I'm going to talk about truth with a little bit of flavour of Christmas to it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 verse 6. My earliest recollection of Christmas was standing in a living room covered head to toe in a white sheet um, at towel turban on top of my head with my brother and sister being the wise men. My mum was sitting on an old out-of-tune piano playing Christmas carols and my dad sitting in his wheelchair dressed as Santa Claus was clapping and dancing along. If you would look at us through the, the lounge room window or um, if you were to see us, we would have looked like a bit of a motley crew. And, and I know most of us have memories of Christmas. In fact, all of us have some memories, some of them really positive and some of them very memorable, maybe like that experience, if you can imagine this crazy bunch of people dancing and singing around in their lounge room. But others might not quite be as positive. The point is, though, Christmas is a very special time. It's a very memorable time and it's a very significant time of year. Over the years, I must admit that one thing that I find very frustrating about this Christmas period is the fact that there's been this gradual shift in focus from simply celebrating the birth of Jesus to something that's a bit of a highly commodified and commercial event. Our Western society seems really good at taking these sacred holiday periods and changing or misconstruing the meaning of them. Take, for example, Easter. A lot of people, when you say Easter, the first thing they think about is the Easter bunny, egg hunts, um, chocolate, and those things are fine, but so many Australians don't really know the meaning of Easter and the significance of it. And so the question is, does truth even matter? If people are getting together with family, if they're having a good time, if they're celebrating, does it even matter that we focus on the birth of Jesus? This is perhaps an example of how the vehicles of our popular culture can subtly and persistently degrade the truth. Hope Point family, I think we can all agree that the truth does in fact matter. In fact, if we just think about our lived experience and the way that we do relationships, truth is an integral part of that. Think about all the Christmas shopping happening at the moment. I know some of us are sort of having to go at the, uh, the credit card and as we are putting in our details to the uh, online shops, what we're expecting or what we're trusting is that our retailers are actually telling us the truth about the stuff that we are buying, right? So we give them the, the credit card details and we believe that they will send us the product and some of us quite frank, uh, frantically because we want to make sure that those products are coming in time for Christmas. No one wants an empty Christmas tree, but even worse, 
worse than that is when you start unboxing your presence, when you unbox that power tool and it's missing parts or it's broken. That sucks. And that's trust that's been broken. That's when someone has told us a little bit of a fib, this is what the product will do and then it doesn't end up doing that. I mean, none of us have ever bought Christmas presents that didn't quite work or weren't quite what we expected, right? I had an experience uh, the end of last year, actually, around this time. We were out at Noosa, and we were canoeing, and um, I like to carry my iPhone with me wherever I go, and the awesome thing about the iPhone is, is on the packaging, it tells you it's water-resistant, and it can actually go into the water up to four meters deep and be there for 30 minutes, and it's all sweet. So I thought, you know what? That's awesome. This waterproof uh, phone's going to be great, so, but I'll just make sure. So I'll put it in a, a Ziploc bag that's waterproof, a waterproof Ziploc bag, chucked it in a canoe. We went out canoeing on the Noosa River. It was a beautiful time. When we came back, um, one of my children, who will remain unnamed, tipped the boat and we fell in the water. Um, and my phone with this waterproof bag was in the water for maybe, I don't know, five seconds or so, grabbed it out, put it back in the canoe. And of course, what happened? The waterproof bag wasn't waterproof. Water got in. And a waterproof phone wasn't waterproof either. It was literally five seconds and the phone was completely ruined. And to top it all, off, what was even better was the fact that my iTunes, or sorry, my iCloud wasn't properly set up, and so rip all my photos and my contacts and things like that, and if you've ever lost those, they're absolute pain. So if anyone ever does call me here, and I should have your number, um, apologies if I'm saying I'm not sure who you are because of that incident. Anyway, moving on, what am I saying here? A famous playwright by the name of William Shakespeare wrote this, he said, this above all else to own Thine own self be true, and must follow day to night, thou canst then be false to any man. Now, I know that's old English, but even though the famous playwright is onto something here, I think he sort of misses the mark a little bit. What does it mean to be true to oneself? I mean, do we even really know who we are? The truth of the matter is that we are constantly changing. The man I am today is not the same man that I was a couple of years ago. For instance, over time, I've started to develop a bit of an extra few kilos around the waist. I've got grey speckles in my beard and in my hair. The things that I like or I used to like, I don't like anymore. And so we are constantly changing. And so rather putting trust in my own self... Something that I've learned over the years is to trust not in who I am, but whose I am. For me, it isn't so much a matter of being true to myself, but it's living in the truth of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for me. The truth that Jesus came as a little baby, born so that we can have a relationship with our Father. And so while we're on this whole concept of truth, I was thinking and reflecting on it, and it, it's something that came to mind is something that happened last year. I'm not much of a TV, reality TV type of person, but has anyone here watched The Block? Is that one or two of us? Yes. <laughs> okay. The Block. Um, 
In any case, last year there was a bit of a scandal on the show. And so what happened was there was this couple that came into the show and they managed to take a photo of the building schedule, um, which m gave them a massive advantage over all the other competitors. And to, to cut a long story short, eventually they got caught out. But what is very interesting is what led after that fact, uh, how they came to explain what had happened. And so they fabricated this story that a tradie had taken a photo of the schedule and actually sent it to them, um, which was not true. And so let's have a clip and see what um, one of the contestants, her name's Tanya, what she has to say about the turn of events. Read a quote again that, that Tanya had to say. This is what she said. That's a hard question to answer. I don't know the difference between my truth and the truth. I just know what I experienced. I don't know about you, but that just doesn't sit well with me. I really struggle with this concept that our truth or a, a version of, of my truth can be different to actual facts. And, you know, maybe some of us are sitting here thinking, you know what, I would never do that. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, I would never say those things. I would never adopt a version of the truth, or, sorry, a version of my truth, which is different from actual truth. But the truth of the matter is, it actually happens all the time. You know, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, Verses 12, we see here that Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And what does Adam do the second that God asks him why he is naked? What's going on? He says, it's the woman that you have given me. He throws his wife under the bus. And so he says, the woman you have put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Isn't it good to see that nothing's changed in thousands of years? Sorry, maybe not every household. But, you know, I've seen this even in my young children. Um, it's so easy for us to deflect, so easy for us to take the truth and bend it or try and shift it to change the meaning of what is actually true in order to make sure that we don't have to deal with the consequences. And uh, my little son over there, beautiful young fella, Matthias, just turned four recently, and he has very quickly in life learned that whenever he does something naughty or something that gets him in trouble, he only needs to say one word followed by an action, and that is Ethan, and point to his older brother. <laughs> now, once again, I'm sure none of us have ever done that. 
But here's something. The truth will cost us. The truth will cost us. And sometimes telling the truth leads to pain. Jesus' disciples gave their lives for the truth of the gospel. John the Baptist lost his head because he was proclaiming the truth. Paul the Apostle, Jesus Christ himself hung on a Roman cross because of the truth. You know, the truth is that when we are honest about our weaknesses and our shortcomings, it is uncomfortable and it costs us. So if you can turn with me to the book of John, chapter 14. Let's have a look there. Here in the Gospel of John, chapter 13 and 14, we find that Jesus of Nazareth is gathering with his disciples. And he starts this time of gathering, and it's a time of a Passover meal, in a very interesting and unique way. He starts by washing his disciples' feet. And many sermons have been spoken or shared about this whole concept, and we won't go into it today, but it was a very controversial way to start their gathering And then later Jesus starts talking to his disciples and he says, I'm about to go away and prepare room for you in my father's house. And now obviously we have hindsight and we have context and we understand that Jesus here is talking about the fact that he is about to give his life and that he is about to um, to sacrifice himself for our redemption and salvation. But the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about here. And so, in fact, it's, it's Thomas here in Luke 14, verse 5, where, where Thomas asked Jesus, he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I'll read it to you again. Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And I think this particular question is as relevant today as it, it has ever been. How can we know the way? In a world of relativity, in a world of fake news, of propaganda, of conspiracy, of TikTok, how can we actually discern and determine what is true? How can we determine the way of truth? And to illustrate my point a little bit further, I I often like to read news articles, particularly when it comes to sporting stuff. And we had the NRL season just finished not too long ago in the World Cup. But so oftentimes I'm kicking myself because I get caught up in in clickbait. You guys know what clickbait is? Right, it's like these headlines, a super coach linked to rival club or um, player breaches salary cap or some sort of other nonsense. And when you click on the link, and oftentimes I do, and you read the article, it has literally nothing to do with the actual heading. And it's just a subtle way in which truth is twisted, uh, where it is misconstrued so that we buy in, so that we jump on board, so we click that link. And, and, And oftentimes what it does is it leaves us disappointed and unsatisfied. And look, maybe it doesn't happen to anyone here. Maybe I'm a bit of a chump, but it does happen to me on a semi-regular basis. But here's the other thing. I'm, I'm a high school teacher, as, as Carol pointed out, and I'm privileged to speak into the lives of young people at a, a local high school called Mueller College. But one of the things that is so frustrating to me is the constant lies that these young people are being bombarded with. 
and it's so hard for them to make sense of the world that they live in because even the very fundamental things which we come to believe as true is being challenged and questioned. And it causes tremendous pain and anxiety and stress among these young people. You know, as a side note, one of the biggest issues that we actually deal with, you'd think it would be behavioural stuff, but it's actually social media. And social media is having such a profound impact on the lives and minds of our young people. And I'm not sure if I've shared this before, but I was dealing with a young lady and she has a social media addiction. And I don't even know this is a thing, but she spends nine hours every day on TikTok. Every day. And so you can imagine the messages that this young lady is allowing to infiltrate her heart and mind. And the truth is that we live in an age of disinformation. There's so much information out there. And and it's fantastic because if you want to know something, you can go onto Wikipedia or if you're doing school stuff, you can research. And there's people's opinions out there. They're readily available. But it is so hard for us to determine what is actual fact, what is true, and what is false. Because of the world we live in, And because of the condition of the human heart, I want to propose that we are all on a journey searching for truth. We want to know the truth about our value as people. We want to know the truth about if our lives actually matter. We want to know the truth about who we are and how we fit in to this world. And sometimes this journey of discovering truth, sometimes this journey that we take ourselves on can go winding different paths and we can try and look for truth in different areas and different ways. And sometimes it leads to heartache and sometimes it leads to pain. 21 years ago, as a naive South African boy, we migrated with our family from South Africa to Australia, and I was just hit by this massive cultural shock stepping into Australian context. And for anyone who's come from a different country, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, well, you might not, because it's so easy to be in the culture and not know what's happening around you. But one thing in particular which struck me like a ton of bricks was sarcasm. And I mean, honestly, sometimes I wonder, do we actually listen to the things that are coming out of our mouth? For instance, I might say, Pastor Ben, that's a nice haircut. You get run over by a lawnmower. What does that even mean? (laughs) Sorry, that was a bit harsh. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I do like your hair, by the way. (laughs) But but honestly, like I was hit by all this stuff. And and particularly at school, it was all your mum jokes. You know, your mum, your mum, this and that. But in South Africa, if you ever said something about someone else's mum, look out, it's in the car park, I'll meet you there. So um, that was a real real adjustment for me. And so I, I, I kind of felt lost. I felt like I didn't know where I fit in. And I spent a long time trying to find my people at the high school that I went to. And eventually I ended up with this group of young men who were completely aimless. And, and, and they, they often were very impulsive in the way that they acted and, and, and the things that they did. And, and oftentimes the first idea that popped into someone's head was the best idea because no one else had another idea to do anything. And so if the idea was let's climb the science uh, building and jump into the bush, that's what we did. If the idea was let's grab rotten apples and start a fruit fight, that's what we did. And so one day we had a bunch of rotten fruit lying around and so we started to peg it into 
the tuck shop. Now, I won't tell you what school it was, but this school had a metal grate around the tuck shop, and it kind of looked like one of those prison areas. And so as we pegged the fruit, one of the young men had an apple that hit the grate, and it just sprayed across. And of course, just at that moment, we had our six-foot-four principal, Mr. Maurice, walk through the tuck shop line. He got sprayed apple juice all over him. That didn't end well. Um, And, you know, now knowing a little bit more about the male adolescent brain, um, I know that our frontal cortexes were underdeveloped. And and if you ask my wife, Melinda, um, she might say that mine still is a little bit underdeveloped and that that might have something to do with the the footy uh, knockouts and things like that. But that's the part of the brain that's responsible for... uh, uh, for, for thinking through consequences. And so oftentimes I talk to young men and I say, why did you do that? Did you not think that if you threw that brick that you were going to break the window or if you did that dumb thing? And, and the honest answer is no. They didn't think about it. It never even crossed that consequence frontal part of their brain. They were just acting on pure emotion. And sometimes our lives can be like that. truth is we had very little notion of what truth was. We were directionless, we were aimless, we didn't know how we should behave and, and, and even if we did, oftentimes the thought didn't cross our mind about what the right thing was to do in a situation. And so the thing about those decisions are that they had consequences not only for us but the people around us as well. And this is the other thing that we need to consider. When we live opposite or in opposition to the truth, it has consequences not just to ourselves but to the people around us as well and oftentimes the ones that we love the most. I wonder how many of us have ever felt that we were just wandering through life trying to work out what the truth is, what the right way is to do things, just trying our best to get by, just trying our best to be true to ourselves. You know, the Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2 verse 25, he says... For you were like sheep going astray. Jesus talks in a couple of parables in Matthew 18 and and Luke 15 where he also likens us to lost sheep. And I think Jesus understood that we are like sheep in the way that we have this propensity to just drift and wander off. And I know in my own life when I've gone through those times of trying to discover the truth, trying to work my own path, trying to forge my own way, often what happens is that we are left in the wilderness. And a a picture that comes so vividly to my mind, and it's something my wife has shared with me before that someone spoke over her, is is that you are left like with this bedraggled sheep that's like all mangled with twigs sticking in it and, and the fleece is all, all um, distorted because it's been going through this tough journey. It's got scratches all over it. And sometimes that's what we end up like when we try and forge our own path, when we try and blaze our own tail, a trail. In Luke 15, where this prodigal son runs away from his father, he finds himself sitting in amongst the filth of the pigs, eating the pods. And this is what he says. He came to his senses, but not before longing to fill his stomach with the pods of the pigs. And unfortunately, sometimes that's the place that we find ourselves in. Sometimes it takes for us to be down at the very depths to discover that we want truth that we want to pursue something more. 
And I believe many Australians have this God-given longing to rally behind a cause. Young people want to hop on Instagram or or TikTok and see these influencers who have a cause for climate change or for for this thing and that thing, and they just want to rally behind something, and they gain so much traction by pushing their agendas. But it's really no surprise to me that, that there's so many young people that have fought and died in wars, and we have a war happening at the moment in Russia, in Ukraine as well, and the countless number of lives that are being lost there. And, and in a very proverbial sense, I believe that in, in the human spirit is this desire to fight for something, this desire to pursue what is right and what is true. And, and I saw a movie a while ago, it wasn't a movie actually, it was a play, and it was called Les Mis, and you might not have seen it before, but this, it's about the French Revolution. One of the images that stick in my mind is there's this, this lot of rubble and broken carts and, and furniture and stuff, and this young man is crawling up this, this mess of, of, of carts and, and things like that, but he's got a flag in his hand amongst bullets and whatnot, and he stakes his flag into the ground. And the thing that stands out to me is that he was willing to give his life in pursuit of what he thought was true. And so despite the fickle nature of my truth or the subjective truth that society perpetuates, I believe in the truth, the infallible divine truth of Jesus Christ, the only truth that will satisfy the human heart. John 8 verse 32 put it so beautifully, it says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In a world where we are bombarded by lies, where there's so many voices speaking into our, into our lives and circumstances, the lies that demand our freedom, our dignity, and our sensibility, these that come from a variety of places, there is one voice of truth. And it's when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. When he says that, he is giving us a blueprint on how we can discover and live in truth. Knowing the truth about who I am gives me the confidence to stand up in the opposition of my enemy. Knowing the truth about who Jesus is, what he did for me, the stripes that he bore, gives me the confidence to stand in faith that I will be healed, that my family relationships will be restored as Pastor Ben prayed for this morning. The truth about my adoption as a king, a a, a son of the king, a son of the God who placed the stars in the sky, the creator of the whole universe actually gives purpose and meaning to my life. And we are significant when we understand this truth. Her point here is what I found to be true. Just over 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in a humble manger in Bethlehem. He had no crown, he had no servants, he had no throne room, but he was the king. This baby grew up to be Jesus the carpenter, Jesus the teacher, and finally Jesus the Messiah, who gave his life as a ransom for us, for me. In a divine sacrifice, God came down to earth as a baby, left his throne room in heaven to be nailed to a Roman cross for my sin, 
brutalized, mocked, scorned, so that I could know the truth, so that I could be saved. Friends, I'm convinced that if we could but understand, if we could but grasp this revelation, it will change our lives. We will not be the same. It is in relationship with Jesus. It is in relationship with the Holy Spirit as he works within and through me that I can start discerning, discerning truth, that I can start living in the truth. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in knowing truth personified. And even when society may ridicule us, even if society may say there's no such thing as absolute truth, we have an invitation to know that truth. Christmas is our invitation. The Christmas season allows us to be bold in the proclamation of the truth behind the reason for the season. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except from me. Come to know him and we will know truth. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you came, that you gave us truth, that you gave us life. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you made. And God, it's hard in a world, in a society where there's so many voices, where there's so many lies, where there's so many things that we have to discern what the true way is, that we can turn our eyes and affection towards you. And God, when we follow you, when we turn our eyes towards you, you will even and straighten out our paths. God, we thank you for the greatest gift of all. Jesus born as a little baby so that we could have relationship with you. Amen.